from KQED. Hey everyone, it's Olivia Allen Price, and this is Bay Curious. This Friday is June 19th, but to many people, it's much more than that. It's Juneteenth, a celebration of freedom. The holiday has been around since the late 1800s, but it may take on a new resonance this year, given the protests for racial justice happening across the country. A few major local employers have even made Juneteenth a paid holiday for their staff. Here at Big Curious, we like to keep our eyes on search engine trends, and we've noticed a lot of locals are asking, what is Juneteenth? So first up, we've got a quick primer for you from reporter Asal Asanapur. For one weekend each year, thousands of people come together at the Lauren District in South Berkeley. You'll see drummers in traditional African clothes, street vendors selling barbecue, and an exhibit documenting local Black history. It's all for Berkeley's annual Juneteenth Festival, which the city celebrated almost every year since 1986. It celebrates the Black experience. That's what I always like to tell people. Dolores Nochi Cooper has been organizing Berkeley's Juneteenth Festival for the past 33 years. Juneteenth stands for June 19th, and it was the day that General Granger rode into Galveston, Texas on June 19th, 1865, and let the slaves there know that they were free. And this was two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. This was the last group of enslaved people to learn they'd been freed. The celebration evolved into Juneteenth, an annual holiday commemorating their emancipation. Dolores says it's meant to remember the nightmare of slavery while celebrating the resilience of the African-American community. We have to toot our own horn and let people know that what we've done is significant. Without our contribution, America just simply would not be America. So Juneteenth puts Black joy and culture front and center through food, writing, dance, and music. The more you know, the more familiar you are, the better you feel. And it's not just, oh, I like that music and oh, I like that culture kind of thing, but just knowing Black people as individuals you know, that have the same needs and wants as everybody else. But this year's Juneteenth will look a bit different. So we are doing an online commentary with writings from writers and artists about the pandemic, about civil unrest, and about the current status of Black lives. Dolores says they're calling this virtual event No Justice, No Emancipation. She says the organizers will publish daily commentaries by Black artists about how they're processing the current moment. One article draws comparisons between protesters and comic book characters. Another is about running while Black in response to the killing of Ahmaud Arbery. Dolores says that at the end of the celebration, she'll compile the writing into a magazine so that people have a keepsake to remember this Juneteenth by. This civil unrest makes us hopeful about the future in America and the changes that potentially can come. That was reporter Asal Isanapur. You can find more information about that virtual event on Facebook at the Berkeley, California Juneteenth Festival page. Berkeley's festival is one of the longest-running Juneteenth celebrations in Northern California, 
another boasting serious longevity, San Francisco. Next up, we'll explore the legacy of one community organizer who made it all happen. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Founded in 1980, it's still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And still the pale ale that sparked a craft beer revolution. Sierra Nevada, still the one. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following The Political Scene, available now wherever you get your podcasts. San Francisco's Juneteenth Festival is often one of the largest in California, even as the Black population in the city is shrinking. One woman is credited with keeping the spirit of Juneteenth alive in the city, Rachel Townsend. I mean, the Juneteenth Festival wouldn't have even happened all of those years, all of those years, had it not been for Rachel Townsend. Rachel died unexpectedly in 2018 after a brief illness, and last year's Juneteenth Parade was named in her honor. Devin Kanyama, host of KQED's The Bay, explored who Rachel was and what she meant to her community in the story that first aired on The Bay last year. It is nice. Hello. When you walk into the African-American art and culture complex in the Fillmore District, there's a table to honor Black activists in San Francisco. The biggest picture is right in the center, and it's of Rachel Townsend, who died last year at 38. Yeah, the sign here says, this is sacred space to honor the beloved members of our community who have crossed over. We're here to meet one of the board members of the art and culture complex. Uh, We're going to two? Three. Three. I'm Reverend Arnold Townsend, and I've been living in San Francisco for I think about 52 years this September. Reverend Arnold Townsend is Rachel Townsend's dad. Rachel was magnificent. Rachel Townsend was a well-known leader in San Francisco's Black community. She was known for political organizing, backing Black candidates in local races, but she was most well-known for organizing one of the largest gatherings of African Americans in California, San Francisco's annual Juneteenth celebrations. Rachel was born in November 6th, 1979. Grew up in Oakland, went to Oakland schools. Rachel was a real strong kid, in many ways, a leader. Rachel kind of ran things. Even as a kid? Oh, God. Because her siblings were older, they started getting married and having children. So Rachel was like the built-in babysitter. So All of her nieces and nephews and great nieces and nephews were extremely close to Rachel. So 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 Rachel's like the cool Cool. auntie, and she's running the show. She's pretty young. So how does she develop into this kind of activist? Well, her mother and her father, poor kid, didn't have a choice. I tried to get her to make another decision. You don't want to go into this because, one, you're never going to have no money. You're going to live fairly frugally, but, it, 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 you know, that and her heart 
didn't give her much choice. She had a huge heart. We're walking down Powell Street once, and we're, she's about five or six. We're getting near the cable car turnaround, and one of the homeless folk was begging, and I kept walking. We got a little further past him, and Rachel said, Dad, what did that man ask you? I said, he asked me for some money. She said, why? And I explained that sometimes people in this society don't have money, they don't have a job, and they need to buy food or whatever. And she looked at me and said, well, why didn't we give him any? <sighs> okay. And I got $5 and gave it to her. And the next thing I know, she's in deep conversation. That was who she was all her life. Rachel's activism began at an early age. Reverend Townsend says she attended her first Juneteenth festival at just three years old. As she grew older, the city started changing around her. In the 1980s, San Francisco's black population continued to drop. And by the 1990s, there were new houses built at higher prices in the historically African-American Fillmore district. When you think about the San Francisco that Rachel was born into and some of the activism that was going on at the time, what was happening in the 1980s in the black community in San Francisco? Western Edition, Fillmore, the hate, those areas, uh, hate Fillmore, those were politically off the chain places. And so that's the mentality. And then she had a dad who had been active in the Black Student Union at San Francisco State, uh, went to jail three times out there, got into very radical politics. And one of the things that people don't talk about, uh, they talk about the effects upon the LGBTQ community of, of the assassination of Harvey Milk, et cetera, but the assassination of George Moscone to the African-American community that had always had great support in this community and was seen as a friend of the community. I knew George well. I knew the conversations that we had after he got elected of, of calling up people like us that other politicians thought were way too radical to be fooling with and asking me, what do you want, man? What do you want to see? What do you need? And people still knew there was a need to make things happen. Urban renewal had started, and it was well underway by the 80s. The core of San Francisco had been torn apart. The, the black business district, churches had either moved out of the community or they were relocating in the community. These things were going away, and, and the restaurants, that's what made San Francisco attractive. That's why it's so much easier now for young African-Americans to move out to Modesto and other places, because quite frankly, they have more of that in those places than we have here now. Reverend Townsend says his daughter started organizing the Juneteenth events with him in the 80s. She really started getting involved, though, when she was a teenager. Oh, she must have been about 15. And so at that time, she mainly was working with the uh, Juneteenth, the, the festival part of it. But then she started at the same time working with the parade. There were times when the Juneteenth celebration was in jeopardy. 
Reverend Townsend says one year, parade organizers got sick and money was tight. Rachel made sure the celebration happened, though. And Reverend Townsend says she's a big reason why Juneteenth survives. Rachel has always been the person, if she sees something undone or not being done correctly, she doesn't complain. She just gets in the middle of it. That's who she was. She was an organizer. Dr. Amos Brown, the president of the NAACP, told me that Rachel was very active campaigning for politicians, knocking on doors in San Francisco and in Oakland. She did a little bit of everything. One of the things that Rachel was most proud of is Rachel spent a lot of time here at the center and at church working with younger girls who didn't have their fathers in their lives. One of her things, she did a horseback outdoor program at that little ranch in Oakland one summer, bringing kids straight out the hood to work at the ranch. And they started this kid's rodeo team out of the city of Oakland. And I said, Rachel, what's up with this? She said, Pop, I just don't believe that you go take care of animals up here on the hill and then go down the flats and shoot somebody. She said, it just don't work like that. Rachel unexpectedly got sick in December of 2017. Reverend Townsend says she fought for a couple of weeks, but after the new year in January 2018, she died. Rachel Townsend was 38 years old. Last December, the city of San Francisco renamed an affordable housing complex in Western Edition after Rachel, honoring her activism and the work she did for the city's Juneteenth celebrations. This building is, is, is dedicated in honor of the late Rachel Townsend a community advocate, the daughter of Reverend Arnold Townsend, who is also an amazing community advocate, someone who worked her butt off for this community. I mean, the Juneteenth Festival wouldn't have even happened all of those years, all of those years, had it not been for Rachel Townsend. The work that she did to not only support the community, but when her father was sick, she was right there helping to care for him and looking out for him and others in this community. She was one of the sweetest persons you ever want to meet. And the only problem was she never said no to anybody. <laughs> she never said no. Can you do this, Rachel? Yes. Can you do this, Rachel? What time is it? Can you do this, Rachel? She was there for so many of us in this community, and it is such an honor to choose. Now Rachel's name is on the Juneteenth celebration in San Francisco. It's on this affordable housing building. What do you think it means to the city to put her name on that? That means even at this time when our population is dwindling and uh, it looks so hopeless, there'll always be a black presence. Some child is going to always ask, who was she? Who was Rachel Towns? And that's the importance of those kind of things. Uh, not so much to give honor to her, though I think she deserved it, but it's to mark that we were once here. There will always be, because of these kinds of things, a black presence in San Francisco. Reverend Townsend says at Rachel's memorial service last year, leaders in Oakland and in San Francisco both remembered Rachel as their daughter. 
Rachel was fully San Francisco, but she was also Oakland girl. That was Devin Kadiyama, host of KQED's The Bay, where that story first ran. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode was produced by Asal Isanapur, Katrina Schwartz, Erica Cruz Guevara, and me, Olivia Allen Price. Sound engineering is by Rob Spate. You can find more on Juneteenth in the Bay Area at kqed.org. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at member-supported KQED. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play March's trivia game? Every month, we'll read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a sweet prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, this Bay Area high school holds the longest winning streak in high school football. They won 151 games in a row between 1992 and 2004. What is the name of the school? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts.